Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today we are continuing with the 15th parak of Melachim Bet, which discusses, begins by discussing the rule of Azariah, more commonly known as Uziah, and he is the son of Amatzia. He's now the third in this uh, string of, uh, of kings in the south who have much in common. They are kings that are Yashar, that are straight uh, and, and do that which is good in the eyes of Hashem. Um, and uh, they are also a, a string of kings that fail to centralize worship in the Beis HaMikdash. So Bamos are still prevalent in their times. What's more, uh, like his uh, father and grandfather, Uziah seems to, at some point, go off the rails. At some point, uh, he strays from doing that which is Yashar in the eyes of Hashem. Like his father and his grandfather, we are told precious little about where and when things go wrong for him. And like his father and grandfather, it is Divrei Hayamim that ends up providing us with the missing details, the missing information to round out the picture of this king. In Sefer Melachim, we are told just a few things about Uziah. Firstly, we, we learned in last parak already that he uh, builds a lot. And that's a significant accomplishment. It reflects a robust kingdom uh, that, is, that is thriving. Uh, in addition to that, we get the details that I just shared with you in the introduction. He does that, which is with, uh, right in the eyes of Hashem, but doesn't get rid of Bamos. So we know that bit of information. Uh, and then we learn that he is struck, he is stricken with Tsaraas a spiritual disease from Hashem, which he has for the rest of his life. It's unclear at what point in his life he gets it, but then he has it for the rest of his life. And then we know also that he reigns for a whopping 52 years. So those are all the data points that we get in Sefer Malachim. He's righteous, at, the, at least at the outset we know he's righteous and follows Hashem. He builds a lot, so there's, it's a time of prosperity. He reigns for 52 years, which also reflects prosperity. Usually it means he's a good king. He brings a measure of stability. And yet, at the same time, we know that he has done something wrong because he is punished with this spiritual disease of Tsaras. And our Sefer leaves us only to guess you know, what mistake he made and, and at what point and what the, what the context is for that sin. And then here it's where Divrei Hayamim fills in the blanks. And it tells us that Uziah, presumably because he's just so taken by his own success, uh, at some point enters into the Beis HaMikdash to offer an incense uh, uh, offering, uh, a service that is supposed to be performed by the Kohen. This is not something that a Zizar, that a non-Kohen can do. This is not, uh, a non-Kohen is not permitted to give the Ketores. Um, but... Uh, I guess for whatever reason, Uziah's uh, success has gone to his head, and though he is not a Kohen, he breaches this line, and he tries to offer the Ketores himself, and as such, he is stricken with Tsaras. So once again, it's Divrei Hayamim that fills in the blanks and tells us that basically it's a simple story of hubris. Initially, Uziah is successful. He is a good king. He follows the ways of Hashem. He's a victim of his own success to some degree. It goes to his head, and he ends up breaching this line um, and not respecting the, the division between the kahuna, between the, the formal priestly class, and himself, and therefore he is punished in this way. Now, as we've done in the last few prakim, uh, it's worth asking why this critical information is omitted from our sefer. 
How do we understand the parak on its own terms? And here I actually have no answer. There's just not, there's not much to work with. And I really just can't understand why the Sefer would leave us in the dark or how we're supposed to understand this parak in and of itself. It seems as if the Sefer just doesn't care to tell us these details. And that is fascinating. It's so fascinating because this moment in our history, the, the rule, the, the reign of Uziah, um, which is um, partially overlapped by the very long reign of Yeravim II, who we discussed at the end of, uh, of, of the last podcast, uh, is actually an incredibly important part of our history. Um, and it's, it's during this time period that many of the Sifrei Nevi'im are written. Many of the major prophets of Israel are prophesying at this time. It's during this time that we have Amos, Hosea, Yeshayahu, and Micha. This is the time period in which they are prophesying, um, give or take, right? Uh, some earlier and into this period, some during this period, and then later. Um, but but it's, it's really a very important time period, uh, and it's a time period in which we, we know a great deal about the spiritual and moral failings of the nation as a whole, both the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdom, not just the kings, but also the, the people of this time. So it's a, it's, a, it's a time period of great focus, and yet Arisafer seems to gloss over it with very little regard. And so that contrast is really very, very interesting. And I leave it for you to consider why it is that Arisafer leaves us so in the dark uh, when other Svarim, of course, pick up and fill in with such incredible, robust information and put so much flesh on the bones. It's, it's, it's just that's such a stark contrast. In any event, during Uziah's very long reign in the south, the north goes through a period of absolute turmoil in terms of their leadership. After Yeravim II, who, as I noted, reigned for over 40 years, a very long kingship, uh, we have a string of kings. We have uh, Zechariah, who is Yeravim's son, Yeravim II, it's his son. He reigns for just six months. Then Shulam for a month, then Menachem for, for 10 years, then Pekachiah for two years, then Pekach for 20 years, then Hoshea for nine years. And most of these transitions Right? It's not just the length that matters here. It's also the fact that most of these transitions are not a succession from father to son. Most of these transitions happen as a result of a revolt. Uh, people conspire against the king and kill the king. And of course, that just means that this is a time of, of really terrible turmoil and disarray uh, in the northern kingdom. And in the background, while all this, all this uh, just mayhem is, is taking place in the north, we're introduced to a new player on the world stage, and that is Ashur, Assyria. And this, the, the king of Ashur is referred to initially as Pul, which is a nickname for Tiglat-Pileser. Uh, that's Tiglat-Pileser III, known by scholars as TP3. TP3. So if you thought scholars weren't cool, they have cool nicknames for, uh, for, for ancient leaders as well, TP3. Ashur begins to make serious inroads, we, we learn in this parak, into the northern kingdom, uh, already uh, sending some of the northern kingdom into exile, um, and they are very soon going to go much further than that. Ultimately, it's Ashur who is going to send the entire northern kingdom into exile and, of course, kill many people, uh, and they're going to end up being a major player in, uh, in the unfolding of, uh, of the next prakim. Just to zoom out a bit and put together a few different pieces that we've already put on the stage and, and to think a little bit broader about the world at this moment, in some, some prakim ago, Aram was really the major troublemaker for Israel. They were the major regional power. Aram has gone quiet for a few prakim now, um, representing, of course, some decades, and uh, they've really fallen off our radar. And that's because during this time period, historically, Aram was in decline. They, they were uh, losing their sway in the region. 
And it's no coincidence that during this time period, with Aram very weak, uh, we find that the northern and southern kingdoms are, are on the expansion, right? They're growing, they're prospering. And, and that's reflected, of course, in the very lengthy rule of Yeravim II and the very lengthy rule of Uziah and the, and, the, and the degrees of prosperity that each of the kingdoms experience at this time. But also filling that vacuum with Aram also kind of on the wane is the much more powerful and, and a nation that's going to prove much more dangerous uh, to B'nai Israel, and that is Ashur, Assyria. They are going to now become a major dominant world power. Uh, uh, Aram is not done. Aram is going to continue to be a, a world power and, and one that we're going to have to keep our eye on. Uh, but nonetheless, Ash- Ashur really emerges now as this major player. And, uh, and, and, and that's a very significant moment that is, uh, that, that is given expression in our parak. So we'll continue to keep our eye on Ashur. It's going to continue to be a major factor in the trajectory of, uh, of both the northern and southern kingdoms. Our parak then ends by telling us that the southern kingdom... Uh, has a succession of power. Uziah, after his 52-year reign, uh, dies, and his son Yotam takes over. We are told that Yotam does that which is right, right in the eyes of Hashem, Yashar in the eyes of Hashem. Uh, he does not remove the Bamos, but unlike his predecessors, who have followed a pretty similar trajectory of starting off good and then ending up with some sort of sin, Yotam seems to stay on the straight and narrow. He seems to be this model, uh, model king, who does that which is right throughout the, the entirety of his life. He then dies, and his son Achav takes over. It's another successful transition for the south, right, comparing the south and the north. South and the north, the north can't manage to move from, king, from father to son, which is, of course, the, uh, uh, the most ideal form for, uh, for a monarchy. It reflects stability. They're, they're keeps, uh, they keep having revolt after revolt, and that is uh, very much to their detriment. The south has kings that are... Fairly good and flawed, um, some of whom, like, as we said, Yotam are, are not even flawed, um, but they have relatively good kings, and they have more importantly, or just as importantly, and perhaps as an outgrowth, they have stability. They have father passing on kingship to son, and so we have yet another successful transition, a successful succession, uh, with the kingship being passed from Yotam then to Achaz, and we will pick up uh, exploring uh, Achaz as a king, Uh, in the next parak. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.